This is Dies and QBX, the podcast, episode 277 for the week of November 6th, 2011. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Dies and QBX, the podcast, an extension this week of the two, the, the only two, all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan sites out here in Joycey. We got Dies and QBX and... Contentai. Not in Jersey. You don't have a location. You just exist. I don't. We just exist. All right. We are the Matrix. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. Hey, folks, my name is Mike. I go by Vegito EX from the Dai Zenshu of the E to the X. And that, that guy, that dude coming to us through the internet, voice pipes, Heath, Mr. Hujio, Konzentai, sup. Thanks for having me, Mike. Yeah, no problem. Some Dragon Ball stuff? I am totally excited because I haven't done much this week. Great. We'll talk about Dragon Ball then. That'll yes. that'll be really exciting. Then I have played Ultimate Blast. Ultimate Blast. Don't talk to me about Ultimate Blast. That's going to be what we're talking I about. I hear that, that that's going to be happening on this here podcast. This here podcast. I'm not ready to do it yet. Probably in two days I'll be recording that. Heath, you, myself, Mike, we're doing the non-topic stuff. The news, the crazy releases we we got coming up all that kind of stuff it's pretty chill it's fun yeah mostly i mean we can see each other we can and we both have beer so it's I that kind of episode good. yeah i was joking earlier this has been the ongoing joke for several years and it's very crude and it's kind of inappropriate to say we've been joking that these dragon ball video games are going to drive me to alcoholism and i'm fairly certain this year i have crossed that threshold i was gonna say isn't it too late for that oh my god ultimate tenkaichi that will be the topic this week i will be talking with dustin and joe we're gonna have a long drawn out discussion all about this game and there's gonna be more positive and more negative than you could ever hope to imagine in that discussion but uh before we get to that before we get to the news uh heath you have a correction for me yeah someone someone posted on the forums and said hey i can't wait until jake and heath actually make a section out of the demon guy that you guys discussed on the podcast yeah and i think jake and i were actually writing at the exact same time because our posts are like two minutes apart (laughs) And uh, yes, the Demon Guide does exist. It actually is on the site, and it's been there for about two years. That's one of the things you, there you go. did finish. Yeah, we actually got it done. Uh, this is something that Jake wrote up, oh, probably two and a half years ago, and we just kind of hung on to it, and we put it up, actually, for Halloween on Constantine two years ago. Wow, look at that. So, yeah, you can link to it in this, otherwise... People can go find it on Constantine themselves if they would like. That's right. You got pictures and pretty much all the same stuff we talked about, but it's there. Yep. It's a resource. Yeah. We love that. It's it's one of our little mini guides, so it might not get as much attention as it probably should. Righto. But then we can pull it out for random podcasts and people have forgotten about it. That's right. So, there you go. I exist to steal content from anyone and everyone that I can because it's less work for me. That's why Jake's around. (laughs) I know. We just put Jake to work. (laughs) Then we take credit for all his work. All right, dude. uh, Before we hit the news, I got to ask you because you're not going to be around for the topic. Do you want to say anything about Ultimate Tenkaichi? Anything at all? Uh, my only words of wisdom have been, you have to really, really like rock, paper, scissors, or you cannot play this game. Wow. And myself, I really, really like rock, paper, scissors. 
I mean, my wife and I just sit around and nonstop play that. But <laughs> but even for me, this is way too much rock, paper, scissors. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm holding you back this Friday evening from playing rock, paper, scissors with your wife. I know. She's I folding laundry in the bedroom, so <laughs> I think we're good. All right. You want to do some news? Let's do some news. So about two months ago, we reported on this here podcast that there was a little listing popping up on the British Board of Film Classification website that detailed a series of DVD extras that were coming out, all of which were from the first orange brick that we got here in North America. And the release itself was being attributed to Manga UK. Now, at the time, a lot of people said, hey, this is coming out, this is great. But then Manga UK actually came out, I believe, on their Twitter account. And I think we tagged it down to it was their president or CEO of some sorts. I'm pretty sure that's what other folks have stated. Now, whether or not that's true, it seems to be the case. Yes, so anyway, it was Manga UK adamantly denied that a product would be coming out. Uh, our favorite response from this on their Twitter account said, love how you guys add one and one and get three. Basically, you guys are motherfucking stupid. There's no way we're doing this. Well, it turns out that it's actually coming out after all. Uh, an image has popped up online in conjunction with London's MCM Expo guidebook, and it clearly shows the first season set is going to be due out on December 26th from Manga UK with pre-orders advertised on HMB.com. It's a six-disc set, which is exactly the same as what we got. The only difference on the box cover is basically Manga UK slap their logo on it instead of Funimation. So, Mike, oh, what do we make of this? Heath, at the time, I'm pretty sure you said something like, they're going to look really stupid when this comes out. And we look back at what they said. Man, how do you come out and say these things when you know, you know, you're going to be releasing this product? This is one of those times when you just don't say anything. Let the fandom talk about it. Let them speculate. Let it build up. Maybe you can use it to your potential, but instead now you just look like a jackass. I'm pretty sure we said everything we needed to when we first talked about this story. We were pointing back to when it was basically the American equivalent. The season sets leaked out when Funimation was first going to be releasing them. It was the it was still yellow at that time. No one had any idea what it was going to be. The complete Vegeta saga. Their standard line was just, we have nothing to report right now stay tuned we have some really exciting stuff coming i don't know which is fine i'm fine with that yeah what what else do you do i mean for you and i we're just going to repeat that exact same conversation so i feel like we don't even have any commentary to add other than on behalf of the uk throwing our middle fingers up at manga uk yeah it's it just blows my mind. I think even Mary weighed in at one point. Maybe this was not recorded, but <laughs> she just could not believe that anyone, even from a marketing standpoint, would come out and do that. Yeah, like, yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, my God. Unfucking yeah. believable that you talk to your customer base like that when you know you have this product coming. Just, I don't know. Well, especially when the whole thing, it's the exact same thing. It's what everyone was speculating it was going to be. It's not like, oh, they're a little bit wrong no they were right on just unbelievable 
All right, let's move on to, uh, I guess this is actually better news. We're going to take it over to Japan here. Love keeping up with Namco Bandai and their fiscal reports, especially because we have a new video game right now, although this game is missing uh, the timeline of this report. So we're jumping back a few months over that period here. The first half uh, quarter two, fiscal 2012, Namco Bandai. The, uh, this report covers the first half of the year. I mean, even though it's quarter two, it covers the two quarters. Uh, 8.03 billion yen, that is about 103 million net income the first half of the year. That's company wide. Uh, breaking it down to Dragon Ball, for a full year, the franchise has not done well enough to place on that top performing franchises list that they break down. The last one that they have there, again, this quarter is Ben 10, which did 2.9 billion yen in net sales for the half year. If you dip back a little bit one year ago, Dragon Ball was at 2.7 billion yen for that half year. So it's got to be well below the three, probably below two and a half. But then you get into the toys and hobby merchandise. It actually doubled its net sales from last year so far. First half of last fiscal year, it was 0.9 billion yen. Right now it's 2.1 billion yen. Presumably because of this, the company has actually upped their forecast for the franchise uh, merchandise only up to 3 billion yen for the year. Heath, here's my question to you. This number Go. seems inversely proportional to Kai existing on television in Japan. WTF. Yes, it does. I have no idea. It's um, really, really strange because you'd think it'd be the opposite. And it's not. Maybe this is part of their mad strategy. I don't know. I don't get it. What merchandise has there been this last quarter and even the first half of the year that folks have been gravitating so heavily toward? I mean, yeah, Dragon Ball Heroes is out, but that's classified under video games. Probably that one's tough, though, because there are cards and other things associated with it. This is just toys and hobby merchandise there hasn't been anything super special well i know they've been putting out a lot of figures yeah there have been some figure that's about it i mean there have been a lot as far as kai is concerned um i know even recently they've started to come out with more of the z stuff again Mm, yeah yeah. which is kind of weird because it's like are we moving away from this yeah i think kai is it's not like a, a sullied name at this point yeah, it no. seems... I don't know. That's a tough call. I just don't know where they get the jump from 0.9 to 2.1. It just yeah. seems like, <laughs> wait, what happened? I have no idea. If someone decided, hey, I'm going to buy a stock in this for some unknown reason. And what? We still we still have two quarters to go. We do. Although they're looking at... They're forecasting only about 3 billion. So about one more billion yen in the uh, toys and hobby merchandise. So a pretty slow second half compared to the first so half. So what you're saying is next time we check it's gonna be like five billion yen we'll <laughs> for really dragon knock ball our socks off i don't think so i don't think the toys are gonna do i that don't know either uh that's really all i got there so why don't you wrap up what little news we have here all right so the last time i was on we covered a bunch of international updates we did yeah uh, because we have tons of international fans and we love them all but we sort of left one out and we feel really bad about it and uh tin lun now uh would really kill us if we didn't mention this so Here you go. TVB is about a month into their airing of the Cantonese redub of the original TV series, which appears to be uncut. It's airing twice weekdays, Monday through Friday. 
and it's using the original opening and endings. So it sounds like they won't be touching Kai until they're done with this original series, which is kind of nice to see. Yeah, that's a really neat take on it because everything we talked about with Kai, we recognized it was the 20th anniversary of Z. So yeah, you jump to Z, but then the the criticism was always, well, you know, there's kind of 16 volumes, 153 episodes before that that's somewhat essential to knowing to jump into this point of the series so for the cantonese approach to be all right let's go do the original series and we'll probably pick up with kai after that i kind of like that i do too uh it's something that i always wish happened over here i understand why it didn't yeah A lot of countries don't really have the opportunity to watch one before the other. Yeah, the way the franchise spilled out to other countries, I mean, if they got in when the going was hot, when it was new, they started at the beginning, but then if too much time went by it seems like a lot of countries just jumped straight to z and then had to backpedal and forward pedal at the same time because of gt this whole franchise is so strange i can't think of many other franchises that have this issue where they just jump in somewhere other than possibly Yu-Gi-Oh, which i'm not that familiar yeah. with but i do know the dub over here kind of skipped the first arc without the cards and that was published in shonen jump the monthly magazine at the time that was a big deal about hey we have the origin story and the whole slogan of the magazine at the time was look how we're keeping everything so close and showing you everything can you think of any other shows that have had this strange halfway in approach hmm not necessarily i think the biggest issue is just the fact that toei themselves would not give out dragon ball z to almost anyone else except in the asian region yeah they they kept it pretty close for a while yeah and So by the time it came to North America, it's like, you got to take the most popular. And that's, I mean, they cookie cutter that across the globe. If we're going to give you guys anything, we're giving you Z because we know it sells. Yeah. And and we were kind of last in the line (laughs) to get anything. I mean, it was a global phenomenon by the time we got it. I remember reading in America at the time and they were saying the same thing. Like, hey, we're finally getting Dragon Ball. By the way, it's already popular everywhere else in the world at this point. You don't know about it yet. Here it is. So that's the news for kind of the last two weeks because we didn't do any news last week. Has there been anything else going on that we can kind of talk about? I I think we covered all the somewhat important stuffage here. I think those are all the big main points. Um, There's not a whole lot of small ones, that's for sure. I feel like some of the news has been product related. I mean, stuff about the game, about the Blu-ray set. A lot of it's more releases than anything. And we're going to cover all that. I mean, uh, we're covering Ultimate Tenkaichi, Ultimate Blast this week. Next week on the show, undecided whether or not we'll do the GT review. I think we'll probably do the Blu-ray review, maybe record GT in the meantime and have it ready ready to go sometime this month. I do want to hit up these releases as they're coming out, though, because that's when people are really going to be looking for that information. Oh, yeah. um, have you checked out the Blu-ray set at all? Maybe, I mean, we're jumping the gun here, but do you have any initial No, thoughts? just kind of popped it in. Yeah, that yeah. That was about it. I read the back of the box. <laughs> I mean, which I hate to we... say, hey, remember when I said this funny thing on Twitter, but... I use Twitter almost as like the preliminary outline for when I eventually do the podcast. But wasn't it really funny reading the back of that box? It really was. You go through most of it and you're like, okay, that's not, you know, this is pretty general stuff. And also you get to like the last three sentences and you're like, (laughs) wait, who are they talking to in this? (laughs) 
<laughs> Dear Dyson QEX audience, yes, it's four by three. Yes, we didn't fuck with it. Or I guess, no, we didn't fuck with it. We're really sorry. I hope you like it. Seriously, we're sorry. Yeah, it's it's really neat. You know, it, it warms my heart. And obviously, they they're not really talking directly no, to they're us. Not. And I don't think that we're insane enough to actually think that they are. But it's it's pretty funny to look at and be like, Okay, I, I get what they're doing here. Yeah, we, we are in a great position where we can sit back and it's not 2007. We can laugh and just say lol's orange bricks, whatever. I say that every night before I go to bed. <laughs> Bedtime ritual. Glass of warm milk, lol's orange bricks. Good night. Uh, Heath. Yes, Mike. You're going to jump away for a bit. I am. I have things to do, beer to drink. That's right. So we're going to take a beer break. We're going to uh, jump to our topic. Myself, Dustin, Joe, we're going to talk. We're going to talk. <laughs> That's for damn sure. I mean, it's not happening for a couple days. Are you really going to talk or are you just all going to shoot yourself? I think it's going to be a collective sigh, shotguns to the head, awkward silence for an hour, and someone, presumably Mary, is going to have to come back and edit this and release it in sobbing hysterics at some point in the future. Uh, that'll be our topic. We're going to come back. Heath, you and I will do releases and we'll wrap up the episode. Here we go, the faded topic for this episode. We are going to review Dragon Ball Z Ultimate Tenkaichi. As we know it here internationally, it's coming out as Dragon Ball Z Ultimate Blast in Japan. Joining me, my name is Mike, to talk about the game returning after almost a full year. Dustin, welcome back to the show, man. That's right. It's time for eggnog and Dragon Ball games. (laughs) I'm glad I'm not the only one here. So yeah, welcome back. It's good to have you here. Thank you. And joining us for the first time here on the podcast... We've got Joe. Welcome. Hey, how you doing? I am great. I'm so glad you both are here because we got different sides of the coin. We have the enjoying the game. We have the not enjoying the game. And you don't know where I'm going to fall. So we we cover every single last thing. Before we hit this game, though, I guess we'll do some uh, a little bit more basic introductions. Dustin, who are you and why are you important? Um. Well, years ago, by years, I mean two years ago, I started a YouTube thing where I kind of went over my favorite things about Dragon Ball games and what I'd like to see, and uh, that gained a little traction. People were interested in uh, in the ideas that I had collected amongst myself in the uh, Dragon Ball fan community, and uh, that's actually still getting views today, which it was mostly about Budokai Tenkaichi 3, which... I really loved it. It was one of my, it's probably still my favorite Dragon Ball game. But anyway, uh, so I did this YouTube thing and, uh, last year, uh, I went on the podcast and we talked about, uh, Raging Blast 2. Which I think I think we uh, kind of agree that it was okay, right? Yeah, that, that's where we came down. It had a lot of, I mean, especially compared to the first Raging Blast, it upgraded all the necessary things in the right ways, but uh, still had a couple falters along the way. And the way we set it up was they're they're back on the right track, much like the Sparking series was back in the prior generation. They were setting themselves up for a pretty, I mean, not spectacular, but pretty sufficient third outing and i'm pretty sure that's what we were all expecting yeah that's yeah for sure all right good deal so uh joe who are you and why are you important uh i'm joe and i'm important because my mom says i'm cool but no um <laughs> i'm on the forums as space kappa i am a reviewer for connectaku.com where we review all connect video games and i also run my own personal gaming blog at pkblogging.net so i mean i've been playing video games since i was five years old i've been a dragon ball fan since i was geez 13 12 somewhere around there i'm 27 now so it's been a long time so yeah blend the two together it's like chocolate and peanut butter i guess excellent i'm like i said i'm really glad to have you guys here with 
with me uh, banter this stuff around. I guess before we jump into the game, we got to do the basics about it. It is the latest video game for the franchise. It's a fighting game, sort of, kind of. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Developed by Spike, published by Namco Bandai. Like I said, we're getting it as Ultimate Tenkaichi. Europe is getting it under that same title. And I think everywhere outside Japan is getting it as Ultimate Tenkaichi. It's Ultimate Blast over in Japan. It does have a few notable aspects. It's actually the first time in a long while that the international release dates aren't near simultaneous, about a week apart. We're getting it over a month before Japan. It hasn't been that way for many, 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 many years. It's also the first game with a character creation mode. At least, you know, a Dragon Ball video game. There have been other build-your-own-Toriyama characters like Dragon Quest IX. Well, I think it, uh, I think uh, it's important to mention Dragon Ball Online. Oh, fair point as well. Yeah, we've had uh, Dragon Ball Online. We've had Dragon Ball Heroes as well. And that's important because some of those aspects are carried over to the character creator here. And we'll talk about mm-hmm. the hero mode in a little bit. It's uh, got the return of a traditional sequential story mode after Raging Blast 2 went with its little galaxy thingy where you kind of choose a character and do custom missions. It's the first time cutscenes are being totally newly animated in 2D and in high definition. We've had cutscenes before that they've all been kind of the in-game engine either as video files but just the engine or just kind of banter before a match. This is really hey, we're cutting away, it's new 2D animation, it's the spectacle of the game. It's the first time that Chala Head Chala is actually being used internationally for its opening. It's been used a few times in Japan before, but it's always been replaced in international releases. And it's the first new game after the Kenji Yamamoto debacle. So that kind of sets the stage for Ultimate Tenkaichi. I want to start, again, before we jump into the mechanics and the story and all that, we talked a little bit, Dustin, about how you did the Sparking Meteor Budokai Tenkaichi 3, the videos. What's been your experience overall with the franchise and these video games? Kind of set the stage for how you viewed this game. Well, I was super excited for it uh, since the uh, character creation mode was announced that was something that i'd always wanted to see in a game and i was i kind of with a little interest followed dragon ball online but i i'm pretty convinced that it's not going to happen here so so this was the first time that i would actually get the chance because i'm not a dragon quest player to really dive into like a character creation mode with the dragon ball the toriyama style art design and stuff like that so i was really looking forward to it and i actually had a video on my youtube thing it's probably the most popular one as well and it was about character creation so i knew that there was that i was interested in it and i had put a lot of thought into it and that other people were interested in it as well so it was something i was looking forward to a lot and i was really anticipating this game's release and uh well i'll just leave it there sure yeah and i know when we were talking about raging blast 2 last year it was one of the things you opened with was yeah i've been looking forward to character creator and you were hoping that was going to come in but it hadn't come in yet yeah all right joe how about you what's been your experience with the games in the franchise and were you looking forward to this for any particular reason uh i've been playing the games actually since uh super butoden 2 came out for the super famicom ah my kind of guy my, my, my best friend imported it from one of those like mail order things in the back of like electronic gaming monthly hells yeah and this this is back when we were like watching the show on like you know raw Japanese VHS tapes that we were getting from a buddy of his uh, his brother so we didn't really know what it was all about but I've played a lot of them since then um, I kind of fell out of them after uh, burst limit. Okay. Uh, I, I got Burst Limit just because I wanted one in HD. It didn't really do a whole lot for me. I mean, it was fun. But um, like everybody else, the character creator is really what got me excited about it. I really liked uh, the idea that they were going to be doing something new, kind of throwing something else in there that they hadn't done before and seeing what they were going to be able to do with that. Gotcha. So it's been a couple of years. Burst Limit was, I think, summer 2008. So 
It's been a while right, since 2008. Really, yeah, yeah. I thought it was 2007 as well, but I guess 2008 is when it came out. How huh. the time flies. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you know we've kind of set the stage. What were you all expecting from this game? Getting a little more in depth here. It was clearly another Spike game, but it was not being called Raging Blast Three. It was labeled as Ultimate, and at least internationally, it went back to that Tenka Ishi branding. So we kind of figured it would be similar to it in some way, and it still kept the Blast naming in Japan. So they were at least pimping it partially as. Yeah, it's still like those games, but dot, dot, dot. So, Joe, what were you expecting from Ultimate Tenkaichi? I actually went in with zero expectations because I kind of figured that was the best way to go in after being out of the franchise for so long. Okay. I mean, I was just kind of hoping that... uh, I was kind of hoping for some variation in the characters that they wouldn't play all the same. And maybe it would be simplified a little bit. There wouldn't be a whole bunch of gauges and meters and... Things I'd have to keep track of. Yeah, up plus L1 plus triangle right, right. for Super 2. <laughs> I, mean, I don't even remember what the, the phrasing was. Dustin, over to you. I mean, you already talked about the character creator that was really getting you hyped for it. But I guess going along with the branding of the game, what were you expecting to get from it? Well, I had looked at videos online and kind of saw a little bit of the gameplay before I played it. And it didn't look all that fun or gamey to me at all. It looked like a glorified version of rock, paper, scissors, which is what a lot of people kind of say about it. And, uh, but I, I was willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. Like I, I wanted to try it myself before I made the final decision. And so when I went in, I was skeptical, but, but not all that enthused. All right, let's jump into the meat there. In theory, it's similar to the Tenkaichi, the Sparking the Blast games. You've got your free flight, you've got your melee, you've got your blast attacks, you've got your super attacks. But like you're saying, looking at these videos, you can't just play it the same way you've been playing it for years. Uh, Dustin, as someone who has been playing these games, I mean, you skipped over, oh, you played a little bit of the first Raging Blast, you said, fuck this, tossed it away, came back a year later, and now you're back again. What took the most getting used to with the jump to Ultimate here? Well, I'd like to kind of say that uh, since the review of Raging Blast 2, I've actually returned to that game quite a bit. Me oh, really? My, my, yeah, me and my little brothers, we've been playing it all year. We oh, go nice. back to it. And so I actually, I, I got to where I kind of enjoyed the game a lot more than what I initially said on the podcast last year. So I, I, I was, we were all looking forward to this game. So, um, oh, what took the most getting used to? Shoot. I don't even know, man. Like, uh, I think that's kind of a kind of a larger. Uh, <laughs> Is that too broad? Yeah, that's too broad of a question because what I guess the gameplay took the most getting used to. <laughs> yeah, it, it is quite it's different. different. It's it a is. significant departure. So, all yeah, right, I guess that's it. Sure, Joe. What about you? I mean, it's been since Burst Limit, which was back with Dimps, the uh, traditional side view. I mean, you still had melee and punch and kick and that kind of stuff, but slightly different over here. So, what took getting used to for you? Uh, I mean, with any Dragon Ball game. The first thing I do is go in through the tutorial because I know that there's sure. going to be a million things I got to keep track of. Yeah, I did the same but thing. But actually, I picked this one up pretty quick. I mean, I realized, okay, well, you've got your melee, your blast, and this is how you do this, and you build up this meter. And after a couple of matches, I had it down pretty pretty good. Yeah, I felt the same way. I started doing tutorial mode, and I got maybe two or three blocks or sections in. And at that point, I felt like I got a good grasp on what was different, what was the same. I was just going to go play the game and learn it. As I go, it's a Dragon Ball game. How complicated can it be? I played through most of them in Japanese. I got to be able to figure this one out, right? I mean, yeah. it's in my yeah. own language. I'll figure That's this out. That's kind of the way I do it, too. I kind of go in and just try to play the game to figure it out. The, the the thing about the tutorial modes in most Dragon Ball games is they are just so unintuitive and oh, uninteresting terrible. and boring. 
absolutely yes. terrible. This one in particular, I mean, it doesn't show you what to press, when to press it, why you're pressing it. It's just kind of a block of text, go. And the one I got stuck on, it's some type of defensive thing, but I think... I messed it up enough so that I didn't have enough stamina. I think it's just to mash all the buttons enough times to kind of reverse the ping pong behind him. I don't even know what yeah. it is, but I ran out of stamina to the point where I couldn't do that anymore because there is just no option for me to do it. So the, the opponent just kept kicking me around with no ability for me to stop it. So I said, fuck this. I'm just going to go play the game at this yeah. point and I'll figure it out along the way. All right. So let's jump into how you actually fight something that's we've really, I guess we've sort of had before. Joe, you think back to the Super Butoden games, you were able to fly into the sky and you had your split screen stuff and you had most of the same options. You could fire a super attack, you could punch them, but what they've changed here is a melee zone and the blast zone. They're very, very distinct. So, Joe, were you feeling the Super Butoden toss back with the difference? Did that make sense to you when you started getting into the two different zones? Uh, it did make sense to me and i liked that even though like both zones they kind of play differently if you know how to play one you kind of know how to play the other yeah yeah because they can the controls are the same like you know right right squ square is going to be start your combo triangle is going to be your power attack so i mean it, i i enjoy c being able to have like the distance or getting close if you want it's just the uh like segue in between like they'll just do like that little scene of them like you know, kicking each other real quick, and then all of a sudden you're in melee. Right. That kind of ruined the flow of it a little bit for me, but, I mean, it was kind of a necessary evil, I imagine. Justin, what do you think about that? Because we've been playing these simulator games for so long, and there's no distinction between the zones. You're just either further away or you're close. And something that the Raging Blast games did was you were able to press... XX, uh, or I guess that would be AA on the 360, you would kind of dash behind your opponent. There wouldn't be a segue. You would just, all right, now we're in close. Did this totally throw off your timing and your flow of attacks? Well, actually, no, not really, because I, I have played the Butoden games on like emulators before, so okay. I didn't really make that connection, but it, it was sort of a natural uh, uh, thing for me. And also, I think it's important to mention that Raging Blast sort of did kind of differ between close combat and long-range combat, mm -hmm. like more so than its predecessors, I think, that where you got in close, all of a sudden your character started moving a little slower. So there was a little bit of a difference in sure. the last games. That's fair. Um, I, I, I kind of, I, I definitely agree with Joe that it's just a huge, just an interruption of the flow where it switches and, and they kick each other and go back. And I, I actually have a really big problem with the uh, close combat. Okay, tell me about it. And that was kind of the same, it was sort of the same deal with Raging Blast, but it's so, so much worse in this one. And it, it is uh, basically your characters keep going back to this starting position. Um, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. This is on my yeah, notes. On yeah, my notes, it happens well. when you when you do that little kicking thing. They go to their starting position, yep. and then you'll come in close, and then you'll do an attack. Say that you actually land it, or even if you fail it, no matter what happens, you end up in that starting position again. And and not only does this kind of break the flow even worse than maybe <laughs> a scripted like little cutscene or quick time event. Yeah, I think back to those drama pieces from Burst Limit that people complained about as well. Absolutely, yeah. And it's just it's just like and and another another problem is like getting in close because you can either you can't you know, move. <laughs> yeah, you can either mo move, which is extremely slow, or you can 
dash in, but the recovery time after you finish dashing is so long that you might as well have just moved. And a lot of times you overshoot your opponent. Oh yeah, for sure. I want to give you a, a very concrete example of what you're talking about going back to your starting position. It's a thing where you choose, maybe you stop that melee, melee combo where, I, I don't know if it's square or triangle, and they choose the exact same option. If they choose what you choose, they counter it. And if you're the one who's countered it, you're like, great, okay, I just parried this attack. That should give me an opening to attack get a free hit but instead what it does is you jump backwards and you kind of reset that whole fight yeah again and i'm yeah, coming yeah. from a street fighter perspective where i parried an attack i blocked an attack now it's my job to punish you because you messed up and i got the advantage here this drives me crazy over in this game i actually kind of like that a little bit because it, it puts a whole lot of mind games into the the melee range because all right well we're this distance apart i mean you have the option to go in and make the first move but then the opponent can start a combo on you mm -hmm. or you can kind of wait and be passive and see what they do so i I think that op that opens up a lot of uh, like mind games, and it's kind of interesting just from my perspective. You think so? Because I mean, the mind games basically boil down to press left or press right or press square, or press triangle. But I guess I don't see the benefit from countering it appropriately. Am I missing something in there? Well, just like I mean, mind games like okay, well we have this distance apart, and if if I'm moving towards my opponent, and he just starts punching the air, I can walk right into it, mm. or I can kind of hang back and maybe like start charging up a power move and catch him in the middle of his combo, okay. so I can not him away sure sure well that's a pro that kind of depends on playing with another human too yeah you can't exactly play mind games with the ai which i couldn't get anybody else interested enough to play this game with me. <laughs> no but there's an i mean um i, I was gonna go back to like uh the mind games and and, and i think that kind of boils down to an even simpler well uh, more of a simplification would be that the, this game is less of a fighting game and kind of more of a strategy game it is it is because Almost every single last thing you do, and people were talking about this immediately after the game dropped, no matter what you do, it slows down for a second and asks you to press a button. And it yeah. feels like rock, paper, scissors, but in a lot of cases, it's just one or two choices. There's not a full circle of rock beats scissors, scissors beats paper, paper beats rock. It's either I got it or I didn't. Well, there's uh, the gauge on it. Like, for example, when your opponent shoots a super attack at you, right, you gauge. do get three choices there. Yeah, you, you only get three choices if you've had enough time to charge up, though. Mm. So there is some strategy involved, like, oh, I can get my opponent now because they haven't had the chance gotcha. to charge up. Their key has died down, right. so it's time to go and attack them. So I, I, there is some stra strategic elements, but it's just bogged down with, this, with the controls, which... I guess we'll get to later. Well, I guess, Joe, let's jump to you because you were saying you were looking for something a little bit more simple. The Sparking Games, the Raging Blast Games, we talked about this. They were getting a little overly complicated and they actually reduced that complication in Raging Blast where those super attacks started getting mapped over to the right stick. So was this the type of simplification you were hoping for? Uh, it actually was. I mean, it's really easy to learn. It's really easy to get into. Because um, for me, I mean, like you, I've come from a Street Fighter background. I've been playing Street Fighter for many, many years. So, I mean, I've never really thought of the Dragon Ball games as, like, real fighting games just because they their mechanics were always so... I don't want to say weird, but they were always so different. Yeah, they're entirely different from anything you've ever played unless all you play is anime fighting games. Right. Like, Dragon Ball is just kind of a genre to me. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like the simplicity of it because that's kind of what I wanted from a game like this where I can have the big dramatic fights and not have to keep track of a whole bunch of things or like a huge move list or anything like that. Okay. Dustin, what else about kind of the nitty gritty of the fighting? <laughs> I guess I want to phrase it has been getting under your skin because I know it has. 
Well, I just feel that sometimes the uh, mechanic of the rock, paper, scissors, as it's affectionately referred to as, just kind of removes skill in the way that you think of when you play a Dragon Ball game. Yeah, you were saying the other day that you were finishing up story mode and you just brought a TV over to watch as you were playing the game. Yeah, like, I I got so bored with the game because I wasn't even paying attention to what I was doing. I was just mashing buttons, which people say you mash buttons in Raging Blast, but not nearly to the degree I was doing it in this game. And I, I eventually got so bored and I had to finish it because of the podcast. So I brought a TV in and watched TV while I was playing the game. You know, it reminded me a lot. I've been playing the hero mode over the last couple days and you get to a couple of key fights where your opponent's kind of a pivotal, not plot point, but it's the next section of the story. They're just that much stronger that, yeah, if you get lucky and you really, really try, you can beat them. But it helps to go into the training or fight the Saibai men or the Cell Juniors or whoever else is hanging out around there. And it almost feels like I'm grinding in Dragon Quest, but I'm doing it in a Dragon Ball fighting game. And I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt the same way that the, the grinding and that there is a lot of grinding. But one of the problems I had with it was that actually doing the grinding levels your character up so slow it really that does. I would have just I would just rather just go in and try to beat it with uh, pure luck. And I actually have done that. I played the baby fight like 10 times, which when you consider how long that fight is, that is an <laughs> extremely long time to be playing one boss battle. Yeah, I've only done a couple boss battles. And I mean, we'll talk about story modes in just a little bit. But some of that stuff is not skippable. Like for whatever reason, the 2D cutscenes are skippable. But uh, the one that was driving me nuts the other day was, was the first uh, Ozaru Vegeta fight in the story mode. And the whole setup where he's looking around the sky, there's no moon. I mean, it's a good couple minutes of dialogue that you have to watch yeah. before yeah. you can do the fight again. And if you lose that fight, tough shit. You're rewatching yeah. all of that again. And I was yeah, doing I this same before we were going to go out to dinner. And eventually I just turned off the console. Like, I don't care what progress I lost. I'm out of here. I'm done with it. And this. you already know what was going to happen. Right, right. Like I know the story. I know how this ends. Well, they worked really hard on those cutscenes, and they wanted to make sure that you saw them and appreciated them. <laughs> I don't know that this was the right way to do it. <laughs> well, that I mean, that actually kind of brings up another point that I have is that the... Um, Whenever you go to battle someone who's stronger than you, supposedly stronger, I uh-huh. use that words with quotation marks, um, the AI, the basically, there is not a whole lot of skill in. So the only thing that they're better at you at is that they've been given better stats. So mm. the, the difficulty curve, it, it doesn't have anything to do with your skill, just how much you've grinded, which I don't like. I don't dig that at all. I actually find that to be very annoying and unfair. Yeah, I don't think it has any place in a fighting game like this. And there have been things like that before. There's been the, I forget what it's called in Alpha 3 when that came out on consoles, like the World Tour mode that you could go around and grind up your character. And we even had that in uh, Ultimate Battle 22 and Final Bout that you could grind up your characters and kind of focus on certain attacks. But this feels exactly like grinding in an RPG and you get just this minuscule EXP from it that, like you were saying, I'm just going to go try fighting the boss and if I luck out, awesome, I can move on with my day. The worst part about all the grinding, though, I mean, like, it sucks that you level up so little, but just the loads before and after each battle are crazy. It makes me not want to do it. Oh, we have to talk about the loading screen because I'm pressing the button on all these capsules. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm used to this. You collect them and you go buy things. You don't buy things in this game. So you're pressing the button on the loading screen to knock these capsules around. Am I correct? There's absolutely no reason to do that. 
No, I was doing it because I thought, okay, for sure there's going to be a trophy for this and I'll get it. But <laughs> my wife is sitting at the computer while I'm playing and she's like, what's the point of these loading screen, uh, loading screens just to annoy your wife? So <laughs> I, I stopped doing them. <laughs> I made it a point because it's the kind of thing I've got total OCD about. Like I'm going to hit a mom and see how many I can do. I had to the first couple times after I realized that it's got no purpose. All right. I'm going to sit on my hands. I'm going to wait until this fight starts because there is no reason. Mike, there is no reason to hit these things. That just <laughs> seems like such a bizarre design choice for me. At the same time, though, it's really hard for me not to do it because yeah. I'm so oh, used yeah. to doing this. <laughs> I know. We've been trained to do this in Dragon Ball games over the years. You think back to just Kami sending uh, spinning around. I forget if that was Budokai 2. Well, that was just three, funny. That was hilarious. That kind of thing. You just press the button, it goes really fast, and you knew at that point that it had nothing to do with the game, but at least you got some positive feedback from it. This is, they're giving you the feedback, but it's all for naught. There's nothing there. <laughs> doesn't even make sense. What, you're, you're punching them? Like, I don't understand, like, why capsules and why that sound effect? Yeah, it's like you're ski shooting them out of the sky. All right, is there anything else about the uh, the mechanics of the game, the actual fighting that any of you guys want to talk about? Ah, no. No, right. I think we covered it. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the story modes a bit, because like I said, Raging Blast 2, it used Plan to Eradicate the Super Saiyans, this 30-minute thereabouts feature, as the story for the game, where you knew who these characters were, what their motivations were. Okay, go over to this galaxy mode and choose a character and do the special missions, and that's how you unlock things. For me, that was refreshing, because I've been saying for years, how many times can I start at Raditz and end yeah. at Boo? I can't do it anymore. But here we are. You start with Bardock versus Frieza, and then you go to Raditz, and then you go up through Boo. So it's the same thing again. That tricked me. That tricked me. I thought it was going to be something different. They totally got you. They got you. They're following along with Kai a little bit without actually doing Kai. So let me ask you guys, you've probably played more of the story mode than I have. What does this story mode offer, if anything, that we haven't seen before in Dragon Ball fighting games? I guess the animated cutscenes, which we always... We we briefly talked about. Yeah, yeah. But th those actually, th those aren't the only cutscenes. Um, there's three ways of telling the story that they use in the game. They have the animated cutscenes, then they have in-game cutscenes using the engine and their horrible mouth flaps. Bah, bah, and then bah, we have, bah, blah, blah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And then we have uh, narration where it just cuts away from the action right. entirely and just fills in the blanks with narration. Sure. But a lot of this important, what well, is so weird? Like, I don't know how they decided which scenes to animate because they seem to have picked some really weird ones to me. Like Vegeta, well, maybe not Vegeta transforming, but for sure, like Piccolo getting destroyed, which I didn't. Like, I felt like there were so many other better ones they could have picked. Yeah, they, they hit some of the big ones, like Goku turns Super Saiyan for the first time, yeah, and yeah. Cell crushes 16's head, and Gohan transforms. Those make sense. But then Piccolo getting killed by Nappa, yeah, I mean, that's kind of significant, and some of the other ones kind of make sense. It's like Kai in general, where we never really understood why they reanimated yeah. the things they did. Yeah, there there was really no uh, like rhyme or reason to it. But a, a lot of the problems with this with the story mode is that it kind of recaps the story, which is okay, I guess, if you haven't seen it. But part of the problem is it it misses so much. It fills in the blank with narrate with like really brief narration for so much of the story that it's like you have to have seen it to under to play the game. So. If that's the if you've already seen the story to play the game, what's the point of seeing it again? Yeah, we've all been saying this for years, but Joe, you haven't mm -hmm. played since Burst Limit, which was Raditz up through the end of Cell. So is this what you were looking for 
in a story mode? Did you just want a recap of the series or did you want something new? I was hoping for something new. And when I realized that it wasn't, I kind of turned to hero mode. Mm. Um, I mean, the re- reanimated cutscenes are awesome. I've really enjoyed those because I've never really been into Kai. So I haven't seen Dragon Ball in high definition yet. So I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, yeah. But the the in-game cutscenes are killing me. Like, I can't, I have such a hard time stomaching those. Oh, they look like garbage. And even, like, the subtitling on them, it's like, you know, it's it, it's not just subtitled as Vegeta. It's Vegeta, and then in parentheses, Scouter. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that really bothered me. That's a holdover from uh, the last batch of games we've had, particularly Meteor, when you had Vegeta from three or four different points in the series, Goku from three or four different points in the series. And personally, I think it makes more sense the way it's phrased in Japanese sometimes, when you write it in English, it just sounds kind of awkward. But yeah. I guess we talked about the boss battles a little bit earlier, but that's kind of some of the important stuff for story mode. So what were your experiences with the boss battles? Joe, I'll stick with you for a little bit. Oh, um, I haven't really done a lot. I mean, I've just kind of gone through like the end of the Cyan arc and into the, the Frieza arc. But... Okay, yeah, you said you switched over to hero mode. Were the boss battles part of why you did that? Uh, no, I just got, I just got bored, really, yeah. But what kind of threw me off on, like, a lot of the fights in story mode is when they kind of take control away from you. Mm. And, like, okay, well, now the computer's going to do this attack, and you're going to use all your key to block it. And now you're going to use all your spirit to do this attack. Yeah. And that kind of turned me off. And then, oh, by the way, now you get to press buttons. Are you paying attention? Right, right. Well, I, I don't know. That's that's kind of like one of the problems, I think, with following the story uh, point by point with this type of game is that you can't really focus on one character. So you have to play as a winning character or you have to lose. Mm-hmm. So there's, so you already know what's going to happen. And so I just have such a hard time getting motivated to actually play it. Right. And I think tying in with that, you know, it's going to happen, but you don't know at what point you're going to press something. Because sometimes like I was doing the Goku versus Ozar Vegeta and like, all right, I know he's going to get hit away here, but then I know he's going to use Kaioken to jump up in the air after that. Is that when I'm going to press X or is it after he gets hit? And the thing that absolutely killed me, it was the moment when he uses Kaioken, he flies away and then it goes, okay, gather energy. The instant... The screen switched to, okay, gather energy. I got hit by the mouth blast. I didn't have a single moment to see what it was I was supposed to do. And it's that type of design choice that makes me wonder if anyone was awake while they were making this game. I suppose they're just trying to bank on trial and error. Yeah, yeah. But then we go back to, well, it takes three minutes to rewatch everything before you do it again. So. Yeah, <laughs> that was the point. Like you guys, I said, all right, screw it. I'm going over to hero mode. Is it any different over there? So let's talk about hero mode for a little bit. Uh, Dustin, did you jump over to it because of the story? You got fed up with it or you just wanted to do character creator? Uh, Well, I kind of that's the first thing I went to. And uh, oh, OK, <laughs> I got thrown off by the really limited selection. I, I didn't know that they kind of hid everything from you actually yeah. to play the game to customize your character, which I th- think is a little weird, but. But uh, the boss battles, no, I didn't switch over because of the boss battles. I really like the boss battles. It's my favorite thing about the game. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I, a lot of people complain about quick time events. I, I, I had a lot of fun with it. I, th- I thought that uh, it was really interesting to see how they took that from the story and made they they did take a little some liberties with it as well but the boss battles no i had a lot of fun with them i had fun um with the maybe not the baby one that took way too long but vegeta for sure and uh and like the other uzaru and i know i i saw on youtube that there's i guess spoilers if you haven't got that far in story mode or hero mode but you actually battle the red dragon from gt yeah i saw that that's one of the last kind of things that they didn't unveil yeah which is really weird and i, I want to try it out i i haven't got to uh go that got that 
I haven't gone that far yet. And if I end up going that far, that, that would be the only reason I do. Right. Joe, how about you? Hero mode, was this uh, what you wanted after you kind of abandoned the traditional story mode? Uh, it was. I'm actually really enjoying it. I mean, like the story, I mean, it, it's pretty humdrum. But it fits. I mean, it's just, you know, your typical shonen fare, which I enjoy. But what really draws me into hero mode is I'm a sucker for anything with a character creator. Mm. Because when I have a character that's uniquely mine in a game that I've kind of customized, I feel a much stronger connection to that character than if, you know, a pre-made character is handed to me. Sure. So, I mean, even though the story is not really gripping, like, I was really interested in what was going to happen next to my character and how he was going to progress. Is it... I guess it's not for you. For me, it felt like it's a little too generic. It was... Yeah, it was traditional shonen, but his responses were all so short and so to the point. Well, they kind of have to be. They have like, yeah. what, 10 or 12 people recording the same line. Right, right. Right. How detailed can you really get about it? I agree that, yeah, it's typical shonen and it, I'm enjoying it because it's Dragon Ball and it makes sense. The one that really threw me off, though, was when you fight 17 and 18 and it kind of ends where, see, you guys fought together. Now you learned how to cooperate. <laughs> I'll take yeah. your dragon radar now. <laughs> oh, it was awful. Like, what? Wait, wait a minute. Are you guys watching the same show that I am? That's, I don't think that's how that worked. I really like the Captain Ginyu one. I thought there was, there, there is, it is kind of fun to see these characters interact in a way that's outside of something we've seen. Exactly. I do concede to that. Yeah. I want to see the characters acting, not necessarily out of character, but at least in a different context. And this is a different world. You're your own hero character. You're doing different stuff. So I do appreciate the effort they went to but that 17 and 18 learning how to cooperate i don't know man that that one <laughs> threw me for a loop uh here's a question for you guys what did you name your hero character joe go uh i named him uh mizugi which actually used to be my old forum name which was actually also the name of uh the main character from a fan fiction i wrote when i was like what 15 16 years old oh jeez. So it, it just kind of fit all right personal connection there is all it right. a pun uh yeah because oh you're gonna make me tell the story yes hopefully. we are come on okay uh the fan fiction it was like yes. future trunks coming back to you know pr- like our timeline because of a new threat and he had a son his name was mizugi which was the japanese word for a swimsuit awesome love it all right dustin oh, how about you that's that's cool dude no it was orkin it's a pun on corn Ah, very nice. See, we're oh, all gotcha. doing the same stuff. Mine was Bokacha. Uh, our buddy Jeff was over while I was starting it, and I said, hey, what's an underused, underappreciated fe- vegetable? And he said, squash. So, you know, I whip out the Japanese dictionary, and it's kabocha. So I'm like, all right, I will switch around some syllables, and I got Bokacha. That's my shitty Cyan hero character name. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> no, I, I think I, because they have to be Saiyans, you might as well kind of go in and try to play along with the whole pun. Yeah, thing. I think yeah. that's part of the creativity and fun of it. That's good, Joe. I like that you didn't go the vegetable route, though. You, you know, all right, I have a family line here, and I'm going to go with the underwear. That works. It makes it's, sense, though. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> it just felt right to bring that back. Yeah, good, good. Some other things that are kind of hanging out there in the story mode and in the hero mode. Joe, I'm pretty sure you and I are both playing in Japanese. Dustin, are you playing over on the English dub side? Uh, yes, I am, which is something that we didn't bring up during the story mode. There is some pretty awful uh, voice changes. That's where I'm going. Tell me all about it. Well, um, apparently, and it might be this way for the Japanese version as well, because it doesn't really make any sense to have people record the exact same thing that you did two years earlier. Right. But uh, they use audio bits. This is uh, speculation. I think on somebody else's part, but it makes sense to me. I think what they did was use audio bits from the first Raging Blast game, which covered the same story. Mm. They just kind of filled in the blanks, but they didn't take into consideration that the U.S. cast has 
almost a complete overhaul when you consider like, and I didn't even realize how many characters there were until I started playing through the story mode and be uh-huh. like, okay, Captain Ginyu sounds different line by line. Like the one line will be the old one. One line will be the new one. The next one will be the old one again. It doesn't make any sense. And is especially jarring with Frieza because you get like, uh, you get Chris Ayers, which is really nice. He's a good actor. And then you get Granny Frieza, which my, I have my own personal opinions on that, but it is, it was just, it was very distracting and awful. It is line for line before I got the game. You know, people were pointing to these clips over on YouTube and it's Frieza has four lines. Line one, female. Line two, male. Line three, female. Line four, male. Within the same and scene. That blows my mind that someone okay. That's this. a mess. It, it Yeah, it is just, it's like, what were they thinking? Like, there, there's absolutely, I don't understand how that got through. Yeah, I mean, on the Japanese side, it's everything that I've seen so far has felt normal. I think it would be great to go back and pull those lines from the prior games, see if all the inflections match. Is that definitely where they're sourcing them from? That's probably a lot of work to do, but it might explain a lot about how they got to this point. Because, I mean, the U.S. Kai cast has existed for a while. Uh, I can't remember if they were there in the first Raging Blast. I No, they were they not. They were not? Okay. Raging Blast 2 and uh, Tenkaichi Tag, Tag Team, Team were the first two games to use the uh, the new Kai cast. Gotcha. Well, that explains it for sure. God damn, that is crazy. Yeah, it was... It was awful. I actually turned it on mute and watch, just watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't really blame you for that. Man, is there anything else about the story of hero modes you guys want to talk about before we wrap that up? Well, I just wish that they had more options at the beginning with your character creation. Yeah, I mean, we hinted at that. You unlock more things along the way, and it's not that far in that you start unlocking things. But your choices for a character are, all right, normal, light, or heavy, which are really... The, the same it's just the balance yeah. of attack and defense and then you can choose you know, a little bit more of your body type and your, your shirt and your pants but it's really just are you wearing goku's gi are you wearing broly's necklace <laughs> and are you bald i mean those are kind of the only choices you have to start with and then even after that like all the stuff you unlock is like okay well here's 17's clothes here's 16's clothes it's like you can you have all these all these options, but it's just to make your character look like somebody else who's already there. Yeah, and uh, another thing that you can do as you progress is uh, get attacks from the other characters. Right, right. And the way you do that is by training under a master. You pick a master, you train under Captain Ginyu, you train under uh, uh, Yamcha or whoever. Right. And it's not immediately obvious how that affects your character either. There's not a whole lot of like description on what you're supposed to do and how, how you can get to where you want to be. Yeah. The strange thing about training is that it doesn't really tell you that you can do it. It just, if you have the menu option open, Oh, training. Oh, okay. I guess I'll fight him now. And you just spar five or six times and then you get some stuff and you don't even level up from fighting them. That's just where you get the attacks or the stat bonuses and fighting styles. It's like all the Dragon Ball games. It's very opaque the way they try to, present stuff i don't know it's yeah. it's kind of a mess yeah well that describes a lot about this game <laughs> we're talking about the character zone oh yeah you can create your character that basically just looks like another character i haven't unlocked a whole lot of them but tell me a bit about the roster spike's agenda has always been all right we're gonna start the series and we're gonna get 150 characters all right we started over and now we got like 90 in here at this point ultimate tenkaichi scales it back and that's not what people were expecting from an ultimate game but is it kind of a a reboot i don't know what's your take on the roster here they did scale it back and they cut back cut out a lot of characters but what doesn't make sense is and and i've heard this from other people that you can actually 
access attacks from characters that aren't in the game. Animations oh from Raging Blast 2 or Raging Blast 1. No shit. Yeah, so uh, it really doesn't make sense why they cut out some of these characters because the engine is even less like character specific in this game, in my opinion. I mean, I haven't experienced any sort of differences in gameplay when you play as another character at all is actually the same. Whereas before there were some diff- minor differences with the characters and uh, like they had their signature moves and stuff like that. So to me, I don't understand why they cut out any characters at all, other than the fact that maybe they could just talk about how they put in more characters in the next game. Wow, that means this really is just a skin on top of Raging Glass 1 and 2 with rock, paper, scissors mechanic driving what before you could actually control. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Joe, what are your thoughts on the roster here? I mean, I was a little disappointed that it was so scaled back because since I have missed the last two, I missed the chance to play as a pool and cool as armored squad. (laughs) Right. But uh, I mean... It hits all the bases, so it works for me. It's not like there's really any variation in the characters, so it wasn't really anything that I am going to complain about. Yeah, I've been talking for years about how that's the thing that doesn't jive with me, is that, yeah, you've got 150 characters, but they all play exactly the same. And the way that this game is created, even more than ever before, because it does boil down to, well, did I press square or triangle? They're all playing exactly the same. So at that point, I really don't care about the roster. I'm actually surprised at myself that I don't care about the roster either which way i don't know that just i'm so confused when i go to think about any aspect of the game that i don't have a real concrete thought on anything at all i i I think that that's actually an extremely bad thing because it's not even so bad that you're passionate to want to talk about it no it's not leaving any impression on me i was talking about this uh with joe before we started recording i have to review this game it's my unofficial job to do so i'm gonna have a written review on the site at some point but I'm almost feeling like, and yeah, it's a cop-out, I might just not finish this game. I might just not unlock everything. I might just not finish the story mode and have to make that a point in what I'm going to write about. I have no desire to go back upstairs and play this game. Raging Blast 2, I sure did. Even Raging Blast 1, I made sure I felt like I was accomplishing something by unlocking everything. I don't want to go back and play this game. But Joe, you do. I do. <laughs> what What on earth is wrong with you, man? Well, I, I mean, I play a lot of video games and I review a lot of video games, so I always have stuff to do. And what I like about this game is it's not something that I need to devote a lot of attention to. It's something that I can pick up, play a couple matches and put down and then go do something else and then come right back to it. And I'm not missing anything. It's mm. just, it's a nice pick up and play game. Yeah, I can see that about it. Yeah, it's kind of a passive experience. That's why I was... It, so so easily able to just watch TV while I played it. <laughs> Which is exactly what I do when I'm playing Dragon Quest, particularly 9 on the DS. And Yeah, well, I do that with RPGs as well. So it's another uh, thing it has in common with RPGs. Definitely. Joe, I know you and I were uh, Pokemon players when uh, right, right. The, the going gets going. Uh, you do the same thing I do, throw on a movie, throw on a series of TV episodes and get the ev going oh absolutely like you know on my days off i just you know pick out some movies and just lay on the couch and ev train <laughs> it's terrible absolutely terrible <laughs> i never figured out ev training i've heard so much about it but uh, yeah i started and joe you're gonna have to fill me in at some point i've got a i've got a powerpoint presentation for you <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna start wrapping things up but uh something that doesn't relate to the game in any way and it was kind of the the reason we did a podcast topic a couple weeks ago is the opening video it's the first time we've had new 2d animation with the song since budokai 3 we've always had cg or in-game engine this is really really exciting 
Is this what you guys were hoping for in the new opening? I didn't really know what the opening was going to be. So when I turned it on and it was Chala, Head Chala, and then there's Goku, like he's got all his friends around him. It was, it's kind of like they were welcoming me back after being away for so long. <laughs> so I really liked it. The animation was great. I kind of wish that it had gone with the music a little bit better. Like yeah. they kind of timed things a little differently. For sure. But overall, I was extremely pleased with it. Yeah, I had the same complaint about it. You go back to Budokai 2 and 3, every single little motion in that opening is timed up to something in the music. It's like a very well-crafted AMV. Dustin, how about you? Uh, Kageyama's a goat, but did you dig the song? <laughs> And dig the oh, opening. I, no, no, I don't like Hironobu Kageyama. Don't get me wrong, but I love Hot Chala Hedgehog just right, because right. of just because of uh, you know it brings me back to the show and reminds me of watching it and whatnot. But anyway, um, I I really liked it. I thought it was super cool, exactly what I wanted. I hated those CG openings, but the the two D the, the like you were saying, uh, it's not synced up to the music. I think the reason it's not is because they just had to cram in so much stuff. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Because if you if you watch it, like there's whole not even a whole lot of keyframes either. It just no, it flashes just goes by. It's like oh, there's Go Tanks. <laughs> oh, oh, there's Ultimate Gohan. Yeah, it's the scene. It's actually somewhat well choreographed. It's uh, Trunks and Vegeta, and Vegeta almost single handedly takes out all of Ginyu, and he kind of smirks at the end. It's one of the only moments where it pauses for half a second to see the character's yeah. face. Otherwise, they're spinning all over the place. It's certainly an eye gasm. Well, we didn't we didn't talk about the graphics. Oh Jesus, we didn't. I almost don't even care. <laughs> what do you want to say about it, real quick? I lo- I think it was really good. I really like the art direction in this game. That's probably one of the only good things I have to say about it. Yeah, there's a lot of lighting going on. I feel like they put a ton of effort into that. Just all the clashes. You've got flares going all over the place, and kind of goes black yeah. and white occasionally. And like, okay, that's where the time and effort went to, but. It looks pretty. Well, I mean, you, it's it's three years in the making where that's not really a common thing. You know, they, they yeah, had yeah. Raging Blast 1 and they built on Raging Blast 2. And this is built on the same engine. So they had all that time to tweak it. And I think this is like the best it has ever, Spike has ever made the games look. And I mean, just just everything down from the shading, which isn't like the show. It's more like uh, Daisenshu 1, like the the shading that Toriyama would do mm. on his own drawings. Yeah, yeah. Which is really fun. And, and it's like a refreshing break from the... Uh, from the norm. And uh, I feel like almost it's what Raging Blast 2 was trying to do. Yeah, I agree because they abandoned Raging Blast 1's style, which was kind of more 2D-ish looking, kind of the, the flat color. Cell shaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they went back to the black outlines and the shininess. And it's more of that, but it's got that shade to it. It's definitely it's a more distinct dull look. and kind of like pastel, kind of like almost it was drawn with colored pencils or something yeah i gotta give them credit i mean they switch up the art style every year and even though it's still the same character models underneath it still manages to look somewhat different joe it's been since burst limit what's your take on how the game looks i really really enjoy how it looks i mean to me like just with the colors and like how sharp everything looks it really reminds me of like the the uh covers yeah yeah definitely just with uh like you know more of toriyama's modern art and i really like it my only real complaint though is that the character faces like they kind of look just painted on <laughs> there is like their face is ever. just a flat texture and like there's there's no like like spot for like eyebrow ridges or anything like that it's just it's a flat face with a, a you know a face texture pa- uh, pasted onto it those mouth flaps do not help at all the those, no they uh, don't motion tween oh my god it's just so dead and awful <laughs> Just those frightening eyes staring back at you like they're going to come at you in your sleep. All right, let's wrap it up. Joe, your final thoughts on Ultimate Tenkaichi. You're going to go have some more fun with it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that a game has to be great for it to be fun. And I just think that it's a fun, relaxing game. You know, I don't think that anybody should go out and 
rush out and pay $60 for it. I think when it gets to like the $20, $30 range, I think that's when most people are going to be able to say that they got their money's worth out of it. But it's it's a fun game to just kind of relax and, you know, play a couple matches and then go do something else. Dustin, is this worth any money to you? Uh, maybe. It's, as a museum piece, it's interesting. They did try some new things, which is something people are always asking them to do. Sure. They did listen to the fans to a certain degree and put in a character creation, put in a 2D opening. It's something, it has all the elements of things that we've wanted, but it's just one step forward, two steps back with this horrible, I don't want to say horrible, I don't want to offend you, Joe, but I just, I can't get into the gameplay. Yeah, I'm with you. We're always asking for something new, and if they're going to provide it for us, we have to give them credit. Something I talked pretty extensively about my Raging Blast 2 review was you have so many options available to you. You have all these different types of dashes and dodges, and you can interrupt your combos and fly away. There's so much to keep track of. My criticism was, well, I can't. I can't keep track of all these different things that are available to me, and Part of that is my fault. I wish it would slow down a little bit. And well, that's what they did. So I got why I, what I asked for. I guess I didn't want what I asked for. <laughs> <laughs> so do I know better? Does Spike know better? I'm not sure that any of us really know what to do with each other. I think we just have to break off the relationship and go our own separate ways at this point. No, it's not going to happen. Project Age work. 2012. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for talking about... Uh, ultimate tenkaichi with me i couldn't do it alone i'm so glad i have you guys to talk about the game with me it's a pleasure you guys yeah, want to plug anything before we wrap things up uh dustin will start with you i don't have anything to plug <laughs> go back and watch the sparking meteor videos and think about what could have been well yeah i guess i mean uh, they're kind of dated now but they are still getting views so i guess you can plug that i'll give it to you i'll give you a link to put in the show notes all right good deal joe how about you what do you got uh you can check out my personal gaming blog at K-A-N-Z-E-N. No, it's a, uh, <laughs> it's a, <laughs> it's a uh, P-K-B-L-O-G-G-I-N.net. And then I'm also a reviewer for connectaku.com. So K-I-N-E-C-T-A-K-U.com. All right, guys. Thanks so much. And uh, maybe we'll talk again in a year with Ultimate Tenkaichi 2. We'll see what they do. I felt like the upcoming month was extremely jam-packed, but maybe it's not, so I guess we'll do November and December, just in case we don't do any releases segments with uh, review episodes and other things coming our way. Man, let's jump back. November 1st, a Tuesday. Apparently this came out, the Dragon Ball Z Movie Pack Collection 1 from Funimation. This is a repackaging of the double feature versions of the DBZ movies. This is DVD only, despite the double features coming out on DVD and on Blu-ray, the pack here, just DVD. It's DBZ Movies 1 through 5. So you got Garlic Jr., Dr. Wiro, Tullus, uh, Slug, and the first Kula movie there. MSRP is $29.98. Great price over on Amazon, though, $16.99. Man, for five movies, you haven't picked them up. These are pretty competently mostly done. I would recommend it. I agree. Now, moving on to November 8th, we get Dragon Ball Z level 1.1. Ooh, that's coming up my next Tuesday. This is the quote-unquote new HD remaster of the non-kaiified Dragon Ball Z TV series from Funimation. It's Blu-ray only, so all you DVD people better go buy a PS3. Dragon Ball Z TV episodes 1 through 17 will be packaged. I 
believe on two discs, three discs? It is two discs. Soon. I can't remember. Yeah, two discs. And you can pick this bad boy up for thirty four ninety eight MSRP, but if you're really lucky, you can get it for twenty forty nine at Amazon. And I believe even Right Stuff has it reduced price as well. Yeah, I mean, this was a concern that people had, especially we're seeing with the Kai quote unquote season collections. It's only 17 episodes. I mean, 17 episodes is a pretty decent collection of episodes until you consider that it's Dragon Ball. And we've had so many releases that have had so many more episodes. And this literally is the exact same content. However, it's on Blu-ray. And for 20 bucks, that's not too shabby. So with that price... Well, even if you look at the MSRP of about $35, I mean, you're talking about $2 an episode. Right, which is what you're going to pay. Man, what are the Orange Brick episodes on uh, PSN Xbox Live? Are those a buck a pop or two bucks a pop? Uh, I think it's 99 cents. Uh, I thought they were two. But regardless, I mean, you're looking at a pretty decent price there. And we're going to talk more about that in uh, the coming... probably next week i'm hoping so you'll learn all about it um god let's just do december as well since november was we might as well so slow december 1st over in france they've got the konzenban they're hitting what we would call the z era of the tv version volume oh wait no it's a konzenban so man that's way further shit messing up my numbers what would 17 be in the konzenban probably frieza uh yeah like namek okay somewhere around there glenot's putting it out it's 1055 euros the pre-order on amazon france is 1002 uh heath over to the u.s back to the u.s we go december 6th which is a tuesday we get dragon ball z movie pack collection dose which is two repackaging of the double feature versions of dragon ball z movies so we will get uh let's see if i remember six seven eight and nine yeah that's right who are the villains come on Woohoo! Uh, six, we have Metal Kula. Right. Uh, seven, we have the Jinzo Ningen. That's right. And let's see, eight, we have Bojack. Nope. Or, no, eight, we have Broly. Nine, we have Bojack. There you go. Yay, I win. Uh, MSRP is twenty nine ninety eight, but you can pick it up for a slightly reduced price at Amazon for $26.99. Yeah, if that first collection is any indication, probably hit $20, $21 at some point, relative near future. Uh, sure. This was the subject of our podcast topic this week apparently which i haven't recorded yet but i know we talked about it the japanese release of dragon ball z ultimate blast in japan that is the title over there on the 8th it's the latest fighting game developed by spike namka bandai is publishing it you know ps3 360 msrp is 7330 yen cd japan's got it down a little bit 6981 on both the p3 and the i don't know what just happened there i kind of bit my tongue as I was talking, so I just played it out. All right, and then we have December 13th, the last thing that we know of before Christmas, Dragon Ball Z level 1.2, which again is the new HD remastering of the non-Kaiified Dragon Ball Z TV series from Funimation. It's Blu-ray only and will contain Dragon Ball Z TV episodes 18 through 34. Again, it's $34.98, but Amazon has it up for $21.99, so if you want it, go grab it, and Merry Christmas. Does the Cyan arc end on 34? 
35? Does that sound right? Yeah, Anton, 35. Some people debate 36. Yeah, yeah, whatever. depending on when they're picking up the bodies and hopping on the plane yeah. and talking about what. So it's not quite the end of the arc, which sucks a little bit. That kind of reminds me back on uh, the original dub-edited VHS release when Funimation was putting that out in conjunction with Pioneer, who did the distribution. The first season that we got was 26 episodes, except episode 26 was contained right. as the first episode on the first Namek uh, VHS volume. So there's a little bit of a wait there and kind of a, an awkward cut in episodes. Similar thing going on here. There's a history yeah, lesson for so. you. You were very Yay. interested in that and now you know and knowledge is power and you can go tell everyone. Tell everyone where you learned this information because we need you to tell other people. Heath, I am so fucking exhausted from pretty much doing nothing today except I did play Ultimate Tenka Ichi and honestly I want to jump off a cliff. I am so sorry for you. I am putting aside my depression to do this podcast with you. I just want everyone to know how much of a battle it has been to stay alive the rest of the day today to get myself to a point where I can record a podcast. You all need to know I do this for you. I do it for the audience because I know you need this information. You need to save your $60. If I can save one person $60, God damn it, I've done my job. I hope I did. And just plunge this franchise farther into the hole. We can all thank Mike. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, Heath. Yes, sir. Would you like to plug something before we call it an evening here? I suppose I could. Uh, you can find myself and Jake on Constantine.com, www.kanzentai.com. There are two N's. For those of you not in the know, we have an awesome demon guide going up um, that's already up. So you can go find that. Supposedly, Jake is going to be updating it at some point. I don't know when. And uh, that's about all we have going on right now. We have a lot of stuff going on in the background, but I know the project I'm working on right now is huge <laughs> and it's taken me like two months. And when I come home at night, I really don't want to get on a computer. So it's taking a lot longer than I thought it would. Oh, my God. Earlier today, Jeff's staying with us for a little bit. He can attest to this. I was working on images for the episode of Bardock Review. And I did maybe like the first eight, just little kind of thumbnail things to go along with the chapter synopses. I'm just looking at the screen going, I don't want to do this. So I went out and I bought beer instead. <laughs> Oh my gosh. How are we going to survive? <laughs> I'm not kidding. Ultimate Tenkaichi is going to be the death of me. It has fried you. I'm like, fuck it. I don't care. This franchise. And all you did all day was sit on a couch. Oh. Uh, well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Consentai is a wonderful resource, and uh, you should go visit it. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Daisenshu EX. Apparently, Julian's working on something for me. I don't know what he's doing. He hinted at something a while ago. Oh, wow. That's creepy. Yeah, and he owes me something for the episode of Bardock Review. I was talking to him the other day, and it's like, yeah, I'll do it. I probably won't get to it tonight. I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. I don't need it tonight. You know, you can get it to me tomorrow. And That is so weird. It's been two or three these days. These are like almost verbatim, you know, <laughs> conversations that I've had with Jake. Just like recently, within the last year, I mean, we used to just rush to get things like yes we have an idea let's do it and we'd like hammer it out in two days and now he'll be like oh yeah i didn't get to that and i'm like yeah don't worry about it we'll we'll get to it when we get to it that's right and we just have no like 
rush anymore. It's just, eh. You know what we've come to realize? The internet is not going anywhere. The franchise is driving itself so far into the ground. It really doesn't matter when we finish any content at this point. Uh, yeah. So. I've got nothing to add to that. www.daizex.com. I really need to say, despite all the crap that we just said, I know that we totally still love this franchise and it means the world to us. I don't want to give anyone the wrong impression. Oh, definitely not. God damn it, these video games. So, uh, Heath, thank you, sir, for joining me this uh, episode for the non-topic stuff. What did we do? Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, we did non-topic stuff. I, I really hope that you survive, Mike. I'm so sorry for everything that we've put you through for this podcast but we all appreciate it and i appreciate you more because you did not make me discuss the game <laughs> at all so i am very happy Keith, it's because i care for you as an individual that i made you thank you i made you not review this game for me dustin joe fuck those guys that's why they had to talk about it with me i i do have sympathy for them right now right all right so anyway for Heath over there, thank you again. You're welcome, sir. For Dustin, for Joe, for Julian, for Mary, for Jake, for Jeff, for all the folks who regularly join us here on the show. We appreciate you tuning in each and every week. Can you hear me trying to force myself to enunciate properly? I can't do it anymore. It's like Corey. When he gets too mush, he's got to really focus on what he's saying. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, Anime USA is coming up. Come check us out there. Daizen X, Dragon Ball. I can't wait to talk about the Blu-ray set instead of this game. <sighs> I totally agree. <laughs> hey, are we done? We're done. That's it. If you say something really extraordinary, it'll be after the credits close. Oh, gosh, I got to think of something. Oh, no, too much pressure.